0: Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church.
1: He gave As heaven looked away The Son of God Was laid
2: door to Jesus and tell the angels I'm coming home. It doesn't matter who lives around me, just so my mansion sits near the throne. My parents' mansion may be close by me, across the Golden Avenue. They were the first ones to teach me of heaven, and the very first Lord tell me about you build my mansion next door to jesus and tell the angels i'm coming Build my mansion, yeah, next door to Jesus. And tell the angels I'm coming home. It doesn't matter who lives around me, just so my mansion sits near the throne just so my mansion sits near the
3: At the ending of that day, they watch the soldiers roll the stone, and they sadly walk. To see. As they watched him taken from their sight, behold two men robed in white, said, Like he ascends, he'll come again on a resurrection morn. Resurrection.
0: Today you'll be listening to the message preached by our pastor, Brother Brad Walker, during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message.
4: Well, you did it to me again, Brother Rockney. I know. I'm not going to be that good. Good job, Juliet. Always a wonderful job. And James, you don't do half bad either. (laughs) Turn to Ephesians chapter 3. We're actually going to be uh, wrapping up Ephesians chapter 3 this morning as we uh, come to the praiser this morning. As we're turning there to Ephesians 3, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for this time, this sweet time of worship today. Lord, thank you for the way you've stirred our hearts and, and already prepared us for your word. And Lord, we thank you that we can praise you, Lord. Even in the times maybe we, we even find it hard to come up with the words to praise you because we know that you, you're worthy of so much more. Lord, the Holy Spirit does that for us. And so, Lord, we're so thankful for that. And so, Lord, today I pray that there's even one here that doesn't yet know you. And so they can't really praise you in that way because they don't know what it means to, to have you in, 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 their, in their life And so, Lord, I just pray that for them to experience salvation this morning, Lord, that they might be saved, and Lord, that we might be able to praise you for that even today. Lord, I know that I'm a very weak vessel, so Lord, I pray that you might hide me behind the cross, that only you'd be seen and only you'd be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I wonder, have you ever come to that place in life where you've just been overcome by the need to praise the Lord, where it just was welling up in you to the place where you couldn't keep it in and you just had to praise the Lord. I, I can think of, of several times in my life where, where I just felt, God, I just I have to praise you. Um, the first being the day that I was saved. Uh, I remember that very well, that evening that I was saved at Hardin Baptist Church at a youth revival. I remember I I couldn't keep it inside. I wanted to tell everybody what Jesus had done. I wanted to praise him for what he had done in me. I remember the day that I I married Robin. I I felt so blessed. The day that each of my children were born. Just wanted to praise the Lord. I felt that way on the Amazon River. And and several on our team, I, I know, can attest to that as well. Of When you, you're in one of those services and the Lord begins to move and you see those Brazilian, those Brazilians that maybe haven't had the opportunity to hear the gospel and they come to know Christ and you see that change taking place and you're just overwhelmed with that need to praise the Lord. There are, there are certainly so many times in our lives when, when we have to just express that, that amazement that we have that God would love us this much. And we recognize how worthy he is of praise. And Paul wraps up this great chapter, uh, Ephesians 3, giving voice to the praise that dwells in his heart. As Paul writes, he's overwhelmed by the truths that he has been privileged to be able to learn. And so after he prays for the Ephesian saints, he now lifts his voice to praise the one who made all of this possible. And these last Two verses of this chapter are are really a doxology, and a doxology is a word of glory. It is simply a statement of praise that honors the Lord's majesty and ascribes glory to him and exalts him. It's a word of praise, and that's exactly what we see Paul doing in these last two verses. And so if you please will stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Let's look at these two last verses of doxology that Paul writes. Verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. You can be seated. We see here in verse 20 that there is a statement about God's greatness. And so for just a moment, let's let's think about in these previous verses of Ephesians. Paul has spent considerable time ascribing the the happy condition of the church. And he reminds us that we are not an accident. But we are saved because of the deliberate planning and action of God. This is no accident that we are here today. So let me just give you a brief going through and reminder of some of these truths that Paul has already shared with us. In these first three chapters of his letter to the Ephesians. First we see that we are chosen in Christ Christ before the foundation of the world, that we are predestined to be with him in heaven when this life ends, that we are secure in our salvation because the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a guarantee that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but we have been brought out of that death into life by the amazing grace of God, that we are saved by his grace, that we are seated with him in heavenly places already that we have all this in Jesus, not because that we deserve it, no, but because he extends grace towards each and every one of us. We are a people made useful and usable to God through grace and the power of God. We are a people who were separated from God because of our depravity and our sin, yet we have been brought near to him by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that we were aliens from God and everything that had to do with him. But now he has reached out to us in grace. And he has brought us to himself through grace unto salvation. Now we are fellow citizens. We are his family. We are his temple. We are his body. And there is much more that Paul has told us in these three chapters. But that is enough that we should, it should cause every saint of God to overflow with praise to the God of our salvation. He is worthy of our love, of our devotion, of our praise. And so let us glorify him in the manner worthy of God's glory. May we heed the the many commands that the Bible gives us to praise the Lord. Having told us about the glory of God in saving us, Paul prays for the church. He prays for three specific things to happen we see. In in chapter 3, verse 16, he prays that they will be filled with God's power. In, In verses 17 through 19, he prays that they will both know and live out the awesome love of God. And then in verse 19, he prays that they will be able to experience the very fullness of God himself. And that is a prayer for them to be fully aware of who God is and all that he has done for them. And these three petitions are powerful. They're wonderful. They are glorious. They should be on our hearts and on our lips at all times. However, they are impossible for us to accomplish within our own power. We could never walk in his power without his help. We could never know and show the love of God apart from his power. We could never understand even the smallest truths about God unless he opened our eyes and revealed it to us personally. And so as part of his doxology of praise to the Lord, Paul lets us in. And he helps us here. And this verse tells us about the source of that help. And so we see the greatness of his ability. The greatness of his ability. While we are unable to do any of these things Paul mentioned on our own, he is able. The word able means to be capable, strong, and powerful. And our God is a God who possesses all power in heaven and in earth. Our God is the God of creation. Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, he says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things exist. But also our God is the God of revelation. Nothing too hard for for him. He spread his fingers, and he made the entire universe. He said, light be, and there was light. Many times he has moved in power on behalf of his people. We see on behalf of his people, he sent Moses. And he sent the people out of Egypt using those plagues. And when they were trapped between the the armies of Pharaoh and the waters of the Red Sea, he parted that Red Sea So that they could walk across it as dry land. We think about what he did for Noah and his family. He flooded the earth, but he provided that ark. We see that with David, he stood before a huge giant and God provided the stone. We see that before Elijah stood, all the prophets of Baal and God showed up and defeated them all. We see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing up to King Nebuchadnezzar and their are thrown into a fiery furnace, and Jesus shows up and stands there in the fire with them. We think about the 5,000 who were there hungry on that, on that hillside, and Jesus fed them all with five barley loaves and two small fish. We think about the disciples in that boat as the storm was raging, and Jesus simply speaks, peace. Be still, And we think about what happened in each and every one of our lives. For all of us who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we know our hell-bound condition and that Jesus showed up and he changed it all. So Paul points, points this all out. And Paul's point here is that our God is able to do all those marvelous things that I just mentioned and more. And if he can do all of that, then he is more than able to give us the great blessings that Paul prayed for. Here for the Ephesians. He is able to empower us. He is able to enable us to know his love and to show that same love to others. He is able to enable us to grasp who he is and all that he has done for us in Jesus Christ. Our God is capable, powerful, and strong. And so we should praise him for who he is. But secondly, the greatness of his abundance the greatness of his abundance, Paul says that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. This phrase, exceeding abundantly above, has the idea of going above and beyond. God's ability exceeds the lengths to which our minds can think. His ability goes beyond the limits of what we can even ask. And so verse 20 here is referred to as a pyramid of praise, declaring God's ability. He is able He is able to do. He is able to do exceeding abundantly. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. You see, there is no question in the mind of the believer that God is able. But far too many of us fail to enjoy the privilege of seeing him do that in our lives because we fail to follow the pattern for living mentioned in these verses. So when we are walking in His power, when we are walking in His love, and when we are walking filled with the fullness of the Lord, we are able to tap into the awesome power of God in our lives. When we are walking in Him and in His love, He works in us and through us to accomplish the things that He desires to do in our lives. In other words, it does not fall to us to make the Christian life happen. Our duty is simply to yield to Him. And when we do, His power transcends our weakness and, our, and enables us to live for the Lord and to accomplish great things for His glory. And so every true believer wants a closer relationship with the Lord. We all want to live cleaner, more holy lives. We all want to honor God and serve Him faithfully. We ask for that. We pray for that. And often we think that we will never achieve our spiritual goals, and, and we, we can't in ourselves. We know that. His power Exceeds the limits of our weakness, though. And he is able to help us achieve holiness and godliness in our lives. Thank God that there are no limits to his power. He can move mountains, change lives, lift burdens, meet needs. And he can change the lives of substandard saints and transform them into vessels of honor for his glory. And that is what a small, small glimpse of how great that our God truly is. But then when we look at verse 20, we also see that there is a statement about God's grace. A statement about God's grace. The grace of God is the ground of our salvation. Because the Lord extended his grace towards us, he loved us. He put us in his eternal plan. He sent his son to die for us on the cross. He sent the gospel message to us. He sent sent the spirit of God to convict us and he saved us when we called upon him. And he... And in his grace, his grace continues to sustain us day by day and moment by moment. The great God that we serve also works in our lives to help us accomplish his will within this world. Paul gives us some insights into the ways that God's grace works in our lives. First, his grace empowers us. His grace empowers us. Paul tells us that the Lord is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. This phrase simply reiterates what I've already said. God empowers his people to live for him. It is not within us in and of ourselves. It is within us because the Holy Spirit is there. And so before the day of Pentecost, the Lord made the promise to his disciples. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria. And unto the uttermost part of the earth. So it says there that until that time, until the power came, there was something that they didn't yet have. They had to wait on it. They had to wait on the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord that we now have that Holy Spirit comes to us the moment that we accept Christ. And the word power in that verse Is also found there in Ephesians 3.20. It's the same word. It refers to inherent power or the power that resides in a thing because of its nature. When the Lord moved into our lives, he came with power. He came with great power. He came into us to enable us to love him. The Lord enabled Paul to preach for his glory. 1 Corinthians Corinthians 2, verses 4 through 5, he says... And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but by demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The Lord enabled Paul to live for the Lord day by day. We see him speak to that in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 3-10. through He says, "...giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed." But in all things approving ourselves as ministers of God, in much patience in affliction, in necessities and distresses and stripes and imprisonments and tumults and labors and watching and fasting, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by the love unfeigned. "...by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil reports and good reports, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things." It's all because of the Spirit of God. The Lord wants you to know that His grace is sufficient for you as well. The same Holy Spirit that came in and dwelt, Paul is the same Holy Spirit that you received the moment of your salvation. He is able to empower you for service. He is able to empower you to live for Him every day, day by day. Every day that you spend in this world is a day the Holy Spirit empowers you to do His work work his grace empowers us but also we see that his grace enlivens us Paul says according to the power that worketh in us the power to live for the Lord came from him it came from within the Lord not from within us we can't do this in our own strength and so it is only possible because he lives within us and when he saved us the spirit of God came into us with power from God himself, he empowers us to, to enliven us. He empowers us by imparting his life into us. And so Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20. One of my favorite verses of scripture, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul, once again, is saying, anything that I'm doing that is of eternal nature, anything I'm doing that's worth anything is not because of me. It's all because of the one who dwells within me. It's because the Holy Spirit himself empowers me. And so when we yield to him and allow his life to flow from us, we will live lives that are pleasing to the Lord and empowering and empowered by him. And thus God will use us to glorify him. In this world. And here is what Jesus said about it. In John fourteen twelve through 14, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do. Because I go unto my Father, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. And again, what Jesus is speaking of here, these greater things that he is speaking of, is the mystery that Paul has already revealed to us. The mystery of the gospel that even the Gentiles will be saved. Even the Gentiles will be brought into the kingdom of God. Jesus says, because of the power that will reside within you, because the Holy Spirit himself will come upon you, because of that you will do even greater things. And we've seen that because we have seen the church And we see what God is doing through the church. And so as we live for him, and as we allow him to live through us, he fills us with his life. And he is seen, he is glorified, and he uses us as his light in this world. Paul says that his power worketh in us. That word worketh means to be at work, to put forth power, to be operative. And so when we are yielded to him, he is working in our lives. And this enlivens us to allow us to bring glory It allows us to to bring fruit to the glory of God. And so Jesus reminds us of that in John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. But without me, ye can do nothing. His grace, his grace empowers us for service. His grace enlivens us for living. Thank God for his grace. But then lastly, I want you to see there in verse 21, that there is a statement about God's glory. Paul ends his doxology by making a grand statement about the glory of God. And I want you to notice with me what he says about God and his glory. First, the place of his glory. He says, to him be glory in the church. The phrase reminds us the church exists for the sole purpose of bringing God glory. That is why the church exists today. He is glorified in the church because the church is made of sinners who have been saved by the grace of God. That's the only reason we exist. It's because God is so amazing that he poured his grace out upon us. And so he loved us when, when we deserved to be cast into hell. And he reached out to us in love and grace. And he drew us to himself. He saved us when we called on him by faith and he changed Our very lives. And so now, as we live for him and honor his word, he receives glory from his church. That's why we exist. And so as we love him and love one another, he is glorified. And as we preach the gospel and as we gather to worship, he is glorified. And as we sing and as we pray and as we work and as we serve as the church, he is glorified. On Friday night when the church came together and as we minister to this community, guess what happened? He was glorified. And so the church is an organism and it exists to bring God glory. When we function as we should, that is exactly what will happen. And so we must keep this truth in mind as we go about the business of doing church. That we're not simply just doing it to be active, but everything we do at this church should be done with, with the view of bringing the Lord God greater glory. Every decision we make, every dollar that we spend, every missionary that is sent, every job that we assign should all be for His glory and for no other reason. Every person who serves here in any capacity, from the pastor to the Sunday school teacher to the deacon to the committee member, all of us, should perform his or her job to the best of their ability for the glory of God alone. You're not doing it for Brother Brad. You're not doing it for a Sunday school teacher that you may love dearly. You are doing it for the glory of the Lord. We must not work for the applause of men. We must not work to make a name for ourselves or even for someone else in the church. We must work for the glory of God. And so in 1 Corinthians 10.31 Paul reminds us, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. But then also we see the person of His glory. The person of His glory. Nowhere is God more glorified than the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus always has been and ever will be His beloved Son in whom He is well Pleased, And since God is glorified in his son, we should be in the business of making much of his son, whose name is Jesus. And so if we will talk about Jesus, preach about Jesus, sing about Jesus, praise the name of Jesus, and be headed, head over heels in love with Jesus, God will be glorified in our lives. And if we can bring that attitude with us when we come into the church, God will be glorified in his church as well. But then we see the permanence of his glory. The permanence. This glory that God receives through the church and through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is not a fleeting glory. Paul says it this way. Throughout all ages, world without end. That phrase literally means unto all generations of the ages, uh, unto all the generations of the age of ages, God will be receiving glory from the church because his son When the end of time comes and eternity flows into eternity, Jesus Christ will still be receiving glory. One day the Lord Jesus will come for his church. He will take his bride home to heaven to live in the Father's house forever. And as the endless ages of eternity unfold, the church in heaven will continue to bring glory to him as we worship him and exalt him And give him glory, doing what we were created to do in the first place, which is worshiping him. And so a glimpse of that amazing future of the church is given to us in Revelation chapters 4 and chapters 5. And we are so looking forward to that great homecoming day. And if we could all simply grasp who he is and all that he has done for us, it would change us. We would never grasp the fullness of his glory and grace in this life, One day, however, our bodies and our minds will be glorified. And when that happens, we will understand him. And we will know even as we are known. And then we will glorify him throughout the ages for his grace in our lives. And so even though we can't grasp it all right now, it doesn't hurt us at all, does it? It doesn't hurt us one bit to begin glorifying him with everything that we do understand. Because everything that we do understand is plenty for us to understand. He receives all of our glory. He deserves all of our glory. And so give him glory in the church because that is the business that we will be in, in heaven. Johann Sebastian Bach said, All music should have no other end and aim than the glory of God and the soul's refreshment. Where this is not, remembered, there is no real music but only a devilish hubbub. At the top, Of every composition that he wrote, he had the letters J.J., and those initials actually mean, Jesus, help me. And Bach ended every composition with the letters S.D.G. Those letters mean, to God alone, the praise. Bach had the glory of God at the heart of every piece that he ever authored and composed. And that same desire should dwell within each and every one of our hearts As well. This moment in time is as good as any for our church to get busy about bringing God greater glory. That we begin to be a people that in every aspect of our lives we praise the Lord. Perhaps you would like to come before Him this morning to glorify Him because of the great work that He has done within you. You know where you came from and you know where He has brought you to and you just need to glorify Him today. Perhaps you'd like to come and, and, and talk with Him and just spend some time here at this altar, to just crying out to Him about the issues in your life right now that are preventing you from being able to serve Him and praise Him. The things that have, have gotten in, in the way, the things that have distracted you, and you just want to lay Him here at the altar and leave Him here that you would no longer be distracted anymore. Perhaps you need to come and seek his power for service to tell someone about Jesus, to tell someone about how they can be more faithful in their walk. And you say, Lord, just give me the strength to, to speak those words. But perhaps this morning you're one who is lost. And so you cannot praise the Lord because of the Holy Spirit of God. He does not yet dwell within you. Today would be a great day. There could be no greater day for you to come and to be saved than right now. And if you recognize that you're lost, if you know I'm talking about you this morning, if you know the Holy Spirit, more importantly, is talking about you this morning, then all you have to recognize is that God loves you so much that Jesus died for you. And you have to understand your sin. You have to understand that you are a sinner and you are in desperate need of a Savior. And there's only one Savior, and that Savior's name is Jesus Christ. And He has already purchased for you salvation he did all that was needed at the cross of calvary and that's grace all you have to do is by faith cry to him and with a repentant heart saying i'm going to turn away from my sin and i need you jesus will you come to me will you save me lord and when you do that you will be saved he will not turn you away if you will come to him you will be saved if that's the decision you need to make today would you come Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. And you are worthy of our praise. Help us to be like Paul. Help us to be a praiser within ourselves, Lord. That would be our greatest calling in life, is to be a praiser of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for, for this wonderful doxology that you give us here in verses 20 and 21 of Ephesians chapter 3. And Lord, many of us need to make decisions today. But none more important than salvation. And so Lord, help me get out of the way. And help folks just to come. Help them to make the decisions that need to be made to your honor and to your glory. And may your name be praised. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with the relationship with the Lord, please call 270 two seven zero five two seven. 3757 Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m. with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on MediaCom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and your family.